When you're an American Express Platinum Card member, don't be surprised if you say things like, Chef, what course are we on? I've, I've lost count. Or, shoot that, shoot that! And even, checkout's not until 4, so... Because the American Express Platinum Card offers access to exclusive reservations at renowned restaurants, elevated experiences at live events, and 4 p.m. late checkout at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. That's the powerful backing of American Express. See how to elevate your experiences at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Terms apply. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your home projects done well. Whether it's routine maintenance, an emergency repair, or a dream project, Angie lets you browse homeowner reviews, compare quotes from multiple local pros, and even book a service instantly. So the next time you have a home project, just Angie that and start getting the most out of your home. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. Welcome to the Nerdist Podcast number 406. I am racing to the airport right now to go to San Francisco. Don't worry. I'm recording this safely, so uh, I'm not distracted, I'm paying attention to, oh my god, what is that? I'm not a good actor. I'm not a good actor. But I am on my way to San Francisco. Uh, I'll be performing at Cobb September 11th through the 14th, uh, and then September 27th I'll be at the Wilbur Theater in Boston with Matt Myra opening for me. Uh, And then in November I'll be at um, the Carolina Theater in uh, Durham. So go to Nerdist.com slash calendar for info on that. A lot of people have been saying, like, how come there's no Hostful podcast? I just want to hear you, Matt and Jonah, politely insult each other. All right, look, um, our travel schedules have all been really crappy um, in the sense that I was out of town, and then Matt was out of town, and then I was out of town again, and then Jonah was out of town, and then Matt was out of town, and so and then I'm out of town a bunch in there. So uh, we have banked a couple, and there will be more on the way. Also, uh, a lot of times there are podcasts that when we record them with guests, they, they need to go up at a certain time, uh, you know, to help them promote something or, or whatever. So uh, we try to be respectful of that, too. But uh, we have more hostfuls on the way, and we will have more uh, definitely in the fall. When uh, when I start the At Midnight Show for Comedy Central, then I won't be able to travel as much. So I will, we will definitely be in town, and we will definitely be recording more hostfuls. Uh, and if you don't like them, then erase the last 30 seconds of your brain. Get one of the Men in Black flashy things. The Neuralizer. Oh, yeah, that's what that was. See, you tried to wipe it out of my brain, but I remembered the... What was it? See, bad acting. Just not good. Just not good. Not my bag. That's fine. Uh, This episode is uh, Tegan and Sarah. Twins. Canadians. Musicians. Delightful. Hilarious. Uh, They were playing at the Greek Theater in Los Angeles, so they stopped in. Uh, Their latest album, which is, I believe came out at the beginning of 2013, is called Heartthrob. Uh, But uh, they were really fun. So much fun. If you're not familiar with their music, check them out. Um, But uh, before you do, listen to this episode of the Nerdist Podcast, number 406, with Tegan and Sarah. Now entering Nerdist.com. so excited. Oh my god, well we're very excited that you're on the show. Well, you're playing at the Greek tonight? Yeah. Holy shit. Yeah. We played last night, it was great. Oh man. And then today, again. I love that Greek. It's cool. Yeah, it's, it's like really a less cool. stressful Hollywood Bowl. 
Exactly. Um, exactly. Exactly how we would describe it. Because I just, you know what, I don't want people to be doing when I'm playing music, eating. So, Hollywood Bowl is kind of a bummer to me. It's just a picnic. It's a picnic. Place. Yeah. 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 It's a bummer. All the way yeah. Oh, you know what? I think maybe so. Yeah. Yeah. I Please. think. I think maybe Get in so. There. I feel you can't smell it from here, but. I, I feel like oh, the. I just had coffee and poop mm, and just you know mm. gotta gotta cover it up. I think the picnic thing at Hollywood Bowl works when it's like you know like a you know a symphony or something like that yeah. where it's kind of like a nice background thing. But yeah. uh, last time I went there was for the pavement uh, Sonic Youth No Age show. So weird. And it was just like people just you know yeah. watching <laughs> yeah. No Age you know yeah, yeah. punk rock yeah. Were they mosh eating? Was there like a mosh picnic? <laughs> no, it wasn't. Pass me the bit. And then you're like, people you are never heard no edge. <laughs> no, I haven't. Yeah. <laughs> no. The last time I went to Hollywood Bowl was for, oh, it was years ago. It was either Radiohead or David Byrne. Right. Um, but I haven't been there. Was and... that the David Byrne show where he did the Beyonce cover? Yes, it was. I was there. Where he had the marching band? Yeah, the easy, easy action marching band. Fucking amazing. From the Bay Area. A bunch of punk rock kids. Full marching band. Amazing. Just, That's like, really yeah, cool. Yeah, real, like, it's like 30 of them. People covering Beyonce is one of my favorite things. I saw Anthony and the Johnsons cover Cr- Crazy in Love. That's what David Byrne did. Really? Yeah, yeah. I guess that's a popular one. Yes, it cover. is. Have it, you heard Elbow's Independent Woman? Uh, no. Oh, it's fucking great. So good? Yeah. Pull that up, Katie Levine. Uh, it's Independent Woman. They did it like on a radio station, and so they're, oh, they're cool. kind of playing it live, and, it's, so cool. and it sounds fucking great. I love Elbow, Independent Woman. Love it. I don't hear myself. You can't hear yourself? I don't hear anything. What? what? There it is. Are you having a stroke? I am. Are you right? Can you feel this? Can yes, you feel your face? I can, I can, can feel, that? feel it. I can feel it. The, <laughs> Gre- the Greek is gorgeous. I almost, mm-hmm. um, I looked at, at buying a house like right near there, but then realized like, oh yeah, several times during the summer, you can't get in and out yeah. of this yeah. area. That's what I was thinking as we were driving up there. I mean, the two thoughts I had were, God, this must be a pain in the ass when shows are happening and then also oh yeah I'm not rich <laughs> well, it's <laughs> the not... two exact thoughts that I have yeah. when we're driving simultaneous up. thoughts too. yeah because yeah. I was like I want to live up here and then I was like wait a second yeah. it's not free to live up here these houses are massive but there are no. actually some houses that aren't like you can, you can find little gem houses yeah. that yeah. aren't like mega million do- like right. just, yeah. just because... many millions of dollars no no, no that's just not many true. million yeah. no, you no, know no. what you I... can buy a shack for like six hundred thousand dollars <laughs> yeah oh that's my a lean I mean Tegan and I have very different ideas about like We've, Tegan's always been much more frugal than I am, so it's really funny because I'm like, I, whenever she's like, oh, that neighborhood's too expensive, then I always think, like, it might not be too expensive for me. <laughs> she doesn't want to spend she the money. She doesn't want to spend the money, but I don't mind overextending myself. <laughs> <laughs> I don't mind reaching into the credit uh, bubble. Yeah. Why not? Well, do you, do you get to actually live anywhere for most of the year, or are you guys traveling most of the time? I mean, we do travel a lot during a record cycle, but we, we both have, like, you know, Sarah has a place in Montreal, and, and her partner lives in New York, so she bides her time between those two places. That's not a bad long-distance relationship. It's, no. It's fine. It's it's really, like, they're super close together, and I love both cities, so it's, like, it's fairly... I'm we really always say it's sort of like our luxury, because yeah. I do Vancouver and L.A., and Sarah's in Montreal oh, wow. and New York, so... And we both have apartments in both places, so we... It's our, it's our kind of luxury. Instead of having, like, some big weird house or a sports car yeah. or a giraffe, we just... <laughs> Focus on multiple apartments. I don't know. Yeah. Giraffe sounds pretty cool. Pretty That's sweet. my yeah. next big investment. I was going to do like Palm Springs vacation home, and then okay, I was but, like, how about a giraffe? But, yeah. well, but, but you still have to be frugal, so just still have an apartment. Like, yeah. You basically oh, have, an have an apartment, giraffe, 
And but it I'll just has like, to wrap its head around. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It'll just come up to our window on the fourth floor and <laughs> yeah. say, hey. You're gonna... <laughs> While singing, Melissa Etheridge has come to my window. Yeah. Yeah. You're going to get exposed one day. You know when you hear like those weird stories, it's like some guy in Austria and he's had like a chimpanzee living in his house and everyone's like, what a horrible bastard for mm. making that chimpanzee live in that disgusting apartment. That's going to be like Tegan. Yeah. And then it'll, <laughs> yeah, but a, giraffe. a giraffe's not going to attack you. It, yeah. it just chimp eventually yeah, but will the poor thing, attack you. It should be like eating from the treetops. It's and true. Yeah. It'll be like you know? a TMZ like helicopter helicopter shot like you know like of my house but there's just like a hole cut out of the top floor and the, yeah. elf, and the, the giraffe's head is just, like eating cereal <laughs> watching out. Teen Mom yeah. Yeah. I honestly think okay here's an idea for a music video I'm sure people do this to you all the time okay give us some ideas you get a giraffe uh-huh. first part yeah you put a GoPro on its head yeah <laughs> and then it's just the apartment giraffe that you have and it's all his point of view as he comes to your window every day and then just what he does in your tiny backyard throughout the I day I love it I love it so I don't know if you know Great I don't know if idea. we should shoot that right now or right yeah. after the podcast <laughs> no. but I really feel like I'm sure Warner will give us the money Did to they? make that video <laughs> yeah what's the giraffe budget it sounds, it sounds super like pop crossover yeah, you know what I mean? yeah, yeah they're like you can have a giraffe as long as you're wearing lycra yeah Exactly. No one's done it. Yeah. Nobody's done it yet. Including the giraffe has yeah. to be wearing like. Yeah, he has to be wearing like a belly top. Yeah. You guys, uh, I, 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 I see you near comedy uh, quite a bit. Like you, you do. You worked on. You did stuff we, with Cho, right? We do get near it. You get near comedy <laughs> yeah. a bit. I love the way that you phrase that because it's true. It's like we're not really. We're not. We are not comedians, but we are sometimes near comedy. But you have a lot. I feel like there's some crossover. And yeah. you did fu- fucking. You did the. You did still alive with Jonathan Colton. Yeah. Which is, Portal Portal is my, fa- Portal and Portal 2 are two of my favorite games. <laughs> Do you know, like, I, I went through this phase in the early 2000s. Well, I mean, we went through a phase of, of being into video games when we were kids, like when yeah. it was sort of, like, appropriate and everyone was addicted to Nintendo and yeah. Yeah. that sort of thing. And then I, like, totally, whatever, we just did whatever teenagers are doing. And then I went back drugs. through a phase. Yeah. yeah. And then I went back through <laughs> like a phase. Like video games. Yeah. It, well, and some people, I guess, do drugs and play video games. Yeah. We were doing the kind of drugs that was not conducive to playing video games. Gotcha. Yeah. Um, more just like roaming around in an alley and like that sort of thing. Um, maybe if they'd had a game about that, like you're a stone teenager in an alley, I would have played that game. But anyways, that would have been meta. But uh, anyways, in the early 2000s when I first became an adult, one of the first things I bought was a PlayStation because it could act as a video game console and a DVD, DVD player. player. That's right. And uh, <laughs> so I bought that, and um, and I used to play like Grand Theft Auto like religiously. Mm-hmm. And my girlfriend would come home from work, and I would just be like, the house would be like would smell like Mister Clean because I have a cleaning addiction, and I would be playing Grand Theft Auto, and she would just shake her head at me like <laughs> it's just like completely. Horrifying. But the place is clean. That's what I thought. I thought yeah. I was like I was the perfect. It was the perfect prank. But anyways, then I just dropped off from video games completely. And when John reached out to me about doing the Portal song. I mean, I had like I had to like really like step up my game and like really figure out what had happened in ten years in video gaming. Like, I had no idea what Portal was. I barely understand what Portal is now. Yeah. Oh well, it's a it's basically a testing ground. It's, it's amazing. It's it's an incredible physics engine. Right. It's g- gorgeous and and hilarious. If you were to play Portal and Portal Two, Portal One's funny and cool. Yeah. Portal Two is absolutely hilarious. It's like mm. the whole thing was very like. Was a whole, the idea of it is so cool to me, and I love that. Like, I love that it's a woman, and you know, like the whole thing and whatever. But um, when they asked me to do the song, I really took it seriously, like as like just a song, song. Like I was just like, wow, this song is like, it's really, um, what's the word? 
dystopian. Yes. You know, like I was like, this is really dark and and I and I very science fictiony and I thought it was a really cool opportunity. And then I really started investigating what the whole thing was about and I was like, maybe I should get back into video games. I don't know. But anyways, I love John. He was super cool. He does write I, I never thought of him I never thought of it that way, but his songs do have that sort of dystopian Yeah. There's that that sort of uh there there's a, a sort of a layer of not it's not sadness but there's something dark in the he's middle re- of everything. He, this is why I like him I think is that it's like it's exactly how I how I approach the world like I I right now if an asteroid hit and wiped us all out and I had the perspective of knowing that that had happened and if you had said should that have happened or shouldn't have that shouldn't that have happened I would have been like should like I would check that box because <laughs> I'm like we're we're terrible. I'm very into like the idea of like end of times. We were talking about this the other day. We were not ra- we were raised by recovering Catholics, so we didn't really understand religion. And nothing makes me more excited than fiction about rapture. Yeah, yeah. you like it? Absolutely. Because I think it's like I can make the joke, like I can be like end of times, because I don't think I truly have that fear, <laughs> you know, like imp- like impressed onto my into, like on a cellular level. I'm not that afraid of it. Would you want to get wiped out immediately, or would you want to live? Die immediately. Sarah does not want to survive. No. Would you want God. to survive? I mean, I feel like there's a part of me, as most people would say, like that wants to survive anything because I don't want to die. So sure. when Sarah boldly states, oftentimes in front of our live audience, that she would want to die first if Armageddon happens, <laughs> like she doesn't want to be in the second or third wave of death, she wants to be in the first wave. I there is part of me that's quite tortured by this because I feel Sarah and I are inseparable, so we would have to die together. But I don't really want to die. In the you first might not way. have a choice. Like, I want to know just... what it looks like. You know, after after decades of movies and books and like you know, sort of theories and hypotheses of about what would it would be like if this happens, I kind of just want like a few months of just knowing what it's like, yeah. and then God. fine. So you Pro- want to be an apocalypse future. tourist? Uh, yeah, yeah, I want to have Sarah. I want to push Sarah around in a cart, like on the road. <laughs> you know what I mean? Who's <laughs> gonna push her head around in a cart just and just talk it to it? Just want to check it out. That's it. Yeah, that's it. I don't. I, don't... I want a glimpse of the aliens. Yeah, and then It'd be I'm like out. the road, just like exactly. you and yeah. Yeah. me, Sarah. Yeah, it's going also down. a funny video idea. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh my god, you guys, come on. This we got. We got. How many? You missed your this chance. This is a real though. think tank for videos. This this is... That, that could have been for walking with a ghost. <laughs> Seriously, yeah. if you're dead walking and she's walking down, she keeps my body alive on ice. Yes. <laughs> you know, I just like all I ever need. To like my blood pressure goes crazy when I'm like in like an airport terminal that isn't organized properly. I'm like a serious like Virgo OCD. Like I, everything needs to be organized. I don't like when things aren't fair. Like if I someone like just like accidentally brushes ahead of me and gets something before I was supposed to get it when I was patiently waiting in the lineup. I feel deep. Sarah and I are unpaid efficiency experts. You are. Yeah. So we can go into any organization and we can offer three to five hours unpaid just to help you run your business better. Wow. There's your third this video. Is, yeah. This is what I'm saying. And this is the thing. Can you imagine how crazy shit will get at end of times? Like, I'll, it'll be like the American <laughs> Eagle, you know, um, uh, you terminal at Newark and I'll oh. just like, my head will blow off. If I don't die because of the end of times, <laughs> I'll die because things will be so inefficient. You're going yeah. to a lot of small towns because you just referenced the American Eagle terminal, which yeah. is a very specific regional jet reference. <laughs> I was like, you go to that store? I don't even know. Yeah, that yeah. <laughs> but I knew exactly what you were talking about because oh I do God. spend a lot of time on regional jets. Seriously. And they, CRJ they, 70s. They always have the like new idea. Like a college student came up with this is I'm making all of this up. I'm not trying to um, speak badly about that airline. I just pulled plucked that from my, you know, sure. knowledge base. But like they all, all those kinds 
kind of terminals are always the ones that are like, we asked a college student to redesign our ter- airline terminal, and they came up with this cool idea that it's going to be like pods, and then everybody just goes in a circular, you know, motion, and like it's going to help with efficiency. So five people get to sit down, and everybody else just stands around looking exactly at the like in the it's pod. like you can't get near anybody, you don't know who works there. <laughs> I like that they just didn't want to hire someone to do it. So they're like, we're yeah. doing this to help college kids. Yeah. Yeah. This is the thing. It's like, and it always, I'm just like, what was wrong with the lineup? You just get in a lineup and you stand behind <laughs> each other, and then someone helps you. No one thinks you were attacking American Eagle. You said it could have said Delta Connection or Skyjet. Like, yeah, there's anyone. so many that I know. You... I almost picked like a nice airline. It's like, that's how mean I am. I should have picked one of the big ones. Like, that always, you know, your flight's canceled or you almost yeah. die or like there's poop on your airline tray. Well, if or we're whatever. complaining about airlines, they just canceled the uh, Virgin Direct flights from LA to Portland, which is oh, boy. really, I mean, that's kind right, of, guys. I'm going to say, you. I'm going to say the worst thing that's ever happened to anyone. Is that <laughs> is that an overstatement? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Now I would have to connect if I wanted to fly Virgin America. What's my other option? Alaska? They're okay, but it's yeah. not Virgin America. No. Yeah. Come on. <laughs> At least it's not Southwest. Why doesn't anyone feel bad for me? Yeah. I feel, de- I feel, I feel devastated for you. For you. Yeah. Do you feel bad? Are, are you are you such um, are you such an injustice phobe that you feel bad? Like, you, would you get angry if someone cut in front of someone else? Or yes. It, okay, so it's any I'm the type of person who's like, I see injustice happening around me, and I'm like, excuse me, sir. That lady was waiting there, and you just stepped in. Like a lot of times, the person I'm defending will be like, "Relax." How do you yeah. even leave the house? Because that's just all day, every well, day. Well, especially no, I'm not trying to pick on America, but I do feel more injustice happens on a daily basis, like on an irritation <laughs> level for me in America. Than we're in very entitled. People, well, also just like there's so many more people, and then you take that further. Like when I'm in Europe, or we recently went to India. I mean, it's just a free for all. It's like it's your fault if you think you're waiting patiently somewhere and you're going to get something because you deserve <laughs> it. It's like people are just like, whatever you asshole like you didn't push or steal or trip someone to get there and it's just that's the canadian and you guys are very polite Mm -hmm. i'm like but i've been waiting here i'm very sorry that you are waiting behind me but that's how it works you're very polite unless i'm in montreal and i don't speak french and the merchant thinks that i'm french canadian and choosing to not speak french and then they get mad at me yeah but then i say i'm a tourist and they're okay or you're trying to get coffee in montreal or anything (laughs) from anybody guys guys come on come on on. (laughs) take it easy on montreal i like montreal i I love montreal we were just it just for laughs like a, a month oh, and a half cool. yeah, yeah. it is a little tough with the with the language thing I've, I've been there for 10 years and I don't speak French and so I constantly am like I'm from Vancouver I just like lie like I just yeah. make it seem like I'm Tegan actually is what I do <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and mess up your hair a little bit yeah because like, I'm deeply embarrassed that I haven't learned that I haven't learned French but it's but part of what was attractive to me about Montreal when I moved there was that it was a bit like um like uh, what's isolation and like I was being sent to exile Mm -hmm. I felt like I was being exiled and I couldn't understand what anybody was saying and nobody could talk to me and Mm -hmm. it was like I was going on like a bit of a spirit spirit walk it's a gorgeous city. Yeah. I really love Montreal, but I love Vancouver, too. Vancouver's great. I mean, Montreal is by far the coolest city in Canada, yeah. but Vancouver is beautiful, and, and I mean, the West Coast is gorgeous, and there's a good pace there, and you pretty much have everything at your fingertips. Can yeah. I mention one city that my girlfriend and I drove from Montreal to Toronto, um, mm-hmm. and uh, just happened to stop in a town called Kingston. Kingston, oh, And we were like, holy sh-. And we just ended up staying there for a night because yeah. it was such a great little town. It's it beautiful. Cool. and I mean, there's so many young people there because you have so much, you have so many university students that, that, that sort of take over that, that town most of the year. So it, there's actually... It, there's actually quite a scene there. Lots of good food. We used to play there all the time when we first started out. But it's also a prison city. Oh, I didn't know. Yeah, the biggest 
penitentiary. penitentiaries in Canada are actually located in Kingston. Really? It's where we house our worst criminals. So, like, remember that What awful... does that say about you that you were yeah. drawn magnetically yeah. to that You're place. like, I love Kingston. It's a great place. And yeah. we're like, yeah, well, some people are not there on their own. You can't leave. Yeah. <laughs> like, our worst, like, Paul Bernardo or whatever, that guy that, like... Okay. Okay, too to dark? It? Yeah. Like, literally, literally, <laughs> people should soon. Google. It's there. No, it's, it's not too soon. It's been a long time. But they, like, our worst criminals in Canada, the worst... His name is Paul Bernardo? Bernardo, yeah. I think it is. He yeah. did something awful. It's terrible. It's too bad. Awful, 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 awful. And yeah, so they built. That's interesting. I didn't notice a prison there, so they've hidden it well. It's a little it's, outside, yeah. and, it's, and it's actually really beautiful looking. Now, why would I? Is is it wrong for me to assume that Kingston actually is a Canadian prison, and that's just your, your prisons because you guys are polite <laughs> and nice, and you're like, oh, it's great. Well, our prisoners can come and go, you know. Yeah. And there, there's a it's yogurt. a whole town. Yeah, yeah. yeah. it's amazing. Yeah. They love organic food. They love yeah. foodies. Some of them are really good at coffee roasting. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's a craft that they develop while being incarcerated. Yeah. And, and by incarcerated, I mean they can roam freely around yeah. the city and come and go. We all tr- they all trust each that other. That is what camp. prison is, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's Pri- guys, prison's not a joke. What? <laughs> <laughs> that, sounds like a, Sorry. that sounds like an early run DMC song. Well, Sarah and I constantly, by accident, get into this kind of talk about prison. And our art director, who's also one of our closest friends, used to like joke with us for a while and then get very serious and then say, Prison is not a joke. Prison is not a joke. Yeah. Prison is not a joke. She was very involved in the in in the <laughs> in the political prisoners movement. Seriously, in New York State and in Quebec, and she would we would always get talking about prison. And there was this one picture she loved of me and Tegan ate in homemade costumes as jailbirds. <laughs> and she would be like, "This is not funny. It is not oh, a joke." No. She's <laughs> like, "Your parents are it's it's disrespectful." Um, Which only no. makes it funny. Yeah, funnier. It makes it funnier. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's disrespectful towards political prisoners, yeah. people that don't belong. It's true. It's true. In but prison. for the rest but of those jokers, else. yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. For yeah. those silly, silly people. No, those those okay. rule breakers. Yeah. Fourth video idea. Fourth video idea. You guys are going to have to write a new album for all these video yeah, ideas. Seriously. Fourth video idea. Orange is the New Black gets picked up for a second season. You do a video inside yeah. their prison block. Kind of like that Lady Gaga prison video that was so upsetting and I've never been able to forget. Have you ever seen it? I don't think. Oh, isn't that the one? It's just a, it's just scenes from that uh, that old like uh, that old like sixties. Woman exploitation movie, right? Like she's referencing that film. Yeah, maybe I, think so. I don't. I don't know. Yeah, it's like it's like you know, like prison girls in heat or yeah, something like that. It yeah, it is basically that. Yeah, that's an old. Uh, Sounds like a great video. Like, Can't wait late sixties movie. <laughs> she like French kisses another inmate is one of the like most like graphic kisses I've ever seen. On a, in a video, on film. She's, she's really been film. she's really been kind of up in the game lately. She did that yeah. art video where she's just totally nude doing calisthenics in a yeah. forest, and then she, listen, she's guys. Fit. Hold on, just slow, slow down. I'm writing this down. Which so is Lady Gaga the one that French kisses somebody else? Yeah. Oh, okay. You never saw the prison video? Not yet. I mean, oh, that rocked my universe for like a yeah. long time because on one hand, I was so uncomfortable like it felt like I was exploiting her by watching it except that was the whole point I think is that she wants you to feel the feelings which song was this for telephone Telephone. thank you yeah telephone Mm. love Lady Gaga it's not my tongue is in this woman yeah, my tongue is in this woman. Yeah. I thought, yeah. Oh, that's they the, changed that's it to the telephone. That's the parenthetical. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> telephone, uh, parentheses, this is yeah. not a telephone, it's my yeah, tongue yeah. and a woman. Yeah, yeah. It's brilliant, and it's the one where at the end... She's with Beyonce, right? Yeah. And they do a, oh, they I, do a jailbreak. Oh, Back yeah. to the elbow cover. Did you find it yet? <laughs> yeah, I did. Okay, here. Play. This is this is elbow okay. covering uh, Independent Woman. It's one of my favorite covers of all time. Okay. We're going to have to look at the David Byrne one. Have you not heard this, Jonah? No, I have not. (laughs) 
but I do feel like I'm back in Montreal. I think that's a melodica. <laughs> we love your melodica. I love my melodicas. And then their fucking accents come in. Their fucking accents. I depend on me. That's cool. Nice. Creepy. I'm just waiting to get Find to the line. David Byrne one. You know, I've only been listening to K Jazz lately. Really? Yeah, I only listen to the Jazz Station from Long Beach, Cal, uh, Cal State Long Beach. That's all I listen to now. Girl, I didn't know you could get down like that. Charlie, you know the song? Down like that. <laughs> all right, I guess that's. Good. I'm really impressed. It's really cool. That's actually what we just did was the equivalent of what I used to do to people in high school. It's like, come over and listen to this thing, and they were like, I gotta go. I'm like, sit down. It's not the good part yet. Yeah. <laughs> we're like that. Yeah. Oh, you really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's always, it always has so much yeah. more meaning to you because it's anchored in your own feelings, and other people are like, eh, no, yeah. trying yeah. to find a way in. Let me show you my demos. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you like other people's music? Here's mine. Here's yeah. mine. Oh, no, 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 no. You show them to me. Did you guys? Did you ever? Did you ever go through that phase where you'd like play a tape for someone in the We're car? We're in that phase Still. right now. Yeah. It's called our career. Do you like it? It's mine. Yeah. <laughs> That's basically what we do on a daily basis. Especially now that we're trying to cross over into more pop world, it's all about exploiting yourself and being like, no, seriously, listen to the track. I think you're gonna love it. Is that a conscious decision, or is it just are you opening yourselves up to like, oh, we'll just explore other areas that we yeah. maybe didn't before? I just, we, yeah, we just have done so much. Like we've done electronic, we've done indie rock, we've done rock, we did folk. Like I. People embrace us no matter where we go, it seems like. So it just was like, we love pop music. We grew up in the 80s. We just wanted to broaden our horizons. We're also getting old. It's time for the giraffe. You think so? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Is that yeah, the euphemism for, for getting old? <laughs> yeah. It's time for the giraffe. We do. I mean, in all giraffe. seriousness, we did sort of talk quite seriously about the fact that you know a lot of bands like 10 years is a long time in, in, in the music industry yeah. you know and then and, and I think there's like there's going to be like a certain few elite bands that will have like long career spanning you know generation spanning um, like like really good careers you know not like like hanging on by the seat of their pants like the Rolling Stones or Bruce Springsteen or Coldplay or whoever like there's lots of bands that we're still listening to 20 years later that will probably be listening to the records till we're dead but then there's lots of bands that just no we're not we're not going to listen to them and I don't know if we'll be making records for the rest of our lives but we did know that this was our seventh record and that if the if things were going to end or we were going to like sort of like plateau that it could happen soon and there was like a survival kind of vibe with this record of like if we don't reinvent ourselves people will forget or not care and like we and it just happened that pop music is like what we're most interested in certainly pop production is what we're interested in right now and it just happens that there's like probably more space than ever on pop radio for bands like us are you as tidy with your music production as you are with your apartment I I am a very methodical writer. Tegan is a little bit more spazzy. Like she'll sort of just like slap something together and send it to me. Whereas like I'll definitely do a lot of housekeeping on a track for sure before <laughs> I send it out. Do you feel like uh, are you ever comfortable leaving some of the roughness in? Because sometimes when things are too polished, you're like, oh, it's. I feel like yeah. people take for granted now. They're like, oh yeah, well anything can sound polished. I can make a fucking song on my phone. You know. I yeah. think I think we're all about performance. Like even this record, like everybody. Like that's heard this record is like oh it's like you're it's you know everything is auto tuned it's so perfect and whatever and like the funny thing for me is that a lot of what we kept is our original demo stuff yes we went in and did some nipping and tucking where it needed to be but the performances are real you know like you it doesn't auto tune doesn't fix a, a lame performance right. so like a lot of the vocals that I did on the record 
um, when we were in the studio, I just was like, instead of going in and re-recording all of this, I love the performance of it. Like, let's let's fix it up. Make it doesn't doesn't want to, we don't want it to sound bad. But you know, it's all vocals that I recorded like in my closet in Montreal. You know? Oh wow! And I just I just like, love we the very, performance. Yeah, we were very we were particular in a different way than we had been before. I think that we it's still a very lush, very dense record, but we were just more particular about the sounds that we put on the record and and. We were also we were heavy handed in that like we didn't want to program drums like so we instead hired drummers to play beats that felt like almost like programming but That's we still great. wanted everything to feel organic I mean I think Sarah and I have gotten to a point in our career where we get to work with really amazing producers and musicians and we wanted to push the envelope and you know our songwriting has grown over the last fifteen years to a place where I feel like you know the songs themselves are really strong so why not push the production like i think we've always said well we write great songs but we want to feel organic because we want people to take us seriously we're girls we're queer we're twins there were so many edges to us that made us feel like a gimmicky kind of band it's like we had to we had to like sell ourselves we had to like prove ourselves over the last decade we had to we had to travel around in a van and open for every band on earth that's ever put out a record it feels like and play like 250 shows a year to prove that we're the real thing. And all of a sudden, I think Sarah and I were like, we don't have to sound like we just played this song in our garage and recorded it. We can make it sound great. We're great songwriters. We have proven ourselves over the last decade plus. It's time to make a record that can reach more people. And so, yeah, when we went into the studio, performances were important and songs were important. But when it came time to like, let's move this kick over to this chorus because it's a better kick, we weren't like, no, no, that's not the real thing. We were like, move it. Move it. It sounds like Botox that shit let's yeah. get it up let's <laughs> do you think, straighten so it out all those edges you mentioned do you think those did, did you guys see those as hindrances or as assets I think we probably to be honest when we were 19 years old 20 years old and signed our record deal I don't think we knew that they what they were I didn't think we had any clue and I don't think that we thought they were going to be hindrances but as soon as we started touring we just saw right away that people weren't going to take us seriously you know there was it was subtle but it was very like oh you write your own songs Oh, like you co-produced this record? Like, huh, interesting. You held on to your publishing? Like it was just these weird these weird angles people took with us and I just think that people just thought that we were sort of contrived that a record company had decided this twin group was going to be We still a band. get asked really weird questions. I mean, we've we, we signed our record deal in 1998. Like I feel like it's like over. We can we can totally say like we've we've worked hard. We've you know, <laughs> we've put out records and whatever. And just the other day we were in Vancouver and the first question I got in this one interview was, "So having success so early in your career, did you do you ever feel anxiety like you didn't deserve it?" That was the first question. Well, and Sarah punched him in the face. After 15 years. I was like, okay, I was like, first of all, signing a record deal, like, what does that even mean? Like, it's like a piece of paper with a signature at the bottom. Anyone can get a record deal. Yeah, like, it's like, it just, it it was so interesting that this guy's perception looking at, okay, we were signed when we were 18 years old, so it must have just been like a free ride. And I, and I just, I was like, you know, we didn't receive a signing bonus. We made a record for $10,000 that we financed. All they did was manufacture it and distribute it for us. Tegan and I paid for everything. We never took tour support. We toured, like she said, we toured with everybody. We worked so hard, and it doesn't matter because even now, after all of those years, there's still those people who say, like, they sort of want to, um, you know, diminish what you've accomplished by trying to find some hole. And I think a lot of bands experience that, but I do think that being female, being twins, and being queer, especially coming out in the late 90s, 
it was like there was some kind of suspicious like this has got to be fake this has got to yeah. be manufactured. I feel like well, sometimes it's more that they're not that they're looking for a hole but they're just lazy that just sounds like lazy yeah, journalism sure. to me like if you yeah. if you've been around for 15 years and you've done you've done all these di- you've covered all these different genres yeah. and you're still touring and then you're and you're playing the Greek a couple nights like you I mean come on you probably there, there's probably something to it. It might have just been a shit bag like I don't know where his thing was <laughs> This what, is was activating your injustice it. thing. Yeah. I'm like he's a goddamn bastard like <laughs> Burn that Uh, asteroid please no but i think you know we did have a lot of that we that tegan's right i don't think we went in going like hey we've got to protect ourselves we went in thinking we're in a band and then all of a sudden we realized oh shit we really are gonna have to prove ourselves in a way whether it's fair or not fair we knew we were gonna have to prove ourselves in a way that a lot of our friends were not having to. and thank god because it instead of just signing a big record deal and and making a cheesy video or being pushed into something we didn't understand when we were too young to wrap our minds around what our future was going to look like. Instead, we had Miley Cyrus. Well, <laughs> lots of young acts. Like, even not famous pop stars. I just mean, like, lots of bands I know, you know, signed emo bands, punk bands, rock bands, whatever, signed deals in the first year or two is really good and they're getting a stipend and then, and then they have to work at a coffee shop and they're like, what happened to my career? Sarah mm. and I never took anything for granted because no one ever gave us anything. And I think that we're the band we are today and we have the confidence we do and we were able to cross over without a backlash because our foundation is so strong it's so solid there is no hole to poke like there just isn't like we just we aren't a band we are songwriters we can do anything we want we've proven that we can basically attach ourselves to anything as long as there's integrity in it and and wait till I, the wait till the commercial with hooters comes out though because that well yeah. i feel like there's gonna be that's when we sold out but, yeah. <laughs> but no like i think that and the music business has changed i mean we we grew up in the 90s where every, yeah there was this whole you know grunge movement and the riot girl movement and then the sellout backlash and all this stuff and you know, we signed our deal when we were 99. We already sold out. It's already over. You can't call us a sellout now in 2013. Well, I we but, already did it. I, I and just, it wasn't selling out because we signed our own music. We've always put out our own selling music. Selling out is a lazy... Like, I, I'm... It, I'm irritated when I hear people throw that around because it's lazy. Mm. Yeah. Like, mm. selling out essentially means that you compromised your beliefs for money. Exactly. And if you got paid to affirm your beliefs... That is That's not selling out. Selling out. That is the fucking dream exactly. of dreams. But there that was, is the dream. There was always that thing that happened in like indie and punk rock, though, where you know a band would get signed and then everyone was ready to hate the the sure. major label album. Like even if the major label was like Fat Records or Epitaph, yeah. even you know, like people were just like ready to just go. Oh, when that new album comes out, it's gonna suck because they're gonna you know they sold out, which is sure. ridiculous now at this perspective to be like. Signing to like Epitaph, which is a very like very good label because of Anti and sure. all the other subsidiaries. Like it's like it's a good, honest label, yeah, mm. and with a wide distribution. And it's not selling out. It's just well. And what is so bad? This is we talk about this all the time. Like, what is so bad about reaching more people? Nothing. You know, to me, like again, it is. It's about like there's lots of bad things if you're not don't have a great message. But I think we're a great band. I think we're great role models. We're good people. We're funny. We're interesting. We write great songs. We've worked hard. You know, we we deserve to reach more people but also like we want to reach more people most importantly i look out at my audience and i think this would be great to reach even more people like this and why not put great music out there and what is so bad about it i mean it seems so selfish and narcissistic to say i don't want more people to listen to my music (laughs) then don't put music out yeah well also what i think i think what tends to happen is sometimes if if there's an early adopter fan they sort of feel like 
They're, You're mine. They're and losing I you, don't yeah. want, you know, like, I don't want to share you with people that I potentially don't. Like, they don't yeah. want to identify. They don't want a connection point to other people that they might not potentially yeah. like. Totally. And that's your fault somehow. Too bad. Too bad. <laughs> <laughs> but I always feel like, because I've been through this a bunch of times in, in my career, which started in 94, mm-hmm. uh, where people, you know, they'll write you off and they'll go, oh, well, you just do this, or you're stupid because you do this. And then I, I always kind of get this, like, all right, I will show, you know, and then you just fucking put your head down and you keep going ahead and you keep working and you keep putting out stuff. And yep. then yeah. eventually, you know, it's then 15, 20 years have gone by and it's like, but now I've done all this stuff. So, yep. you know. Do you ever feel too like there's, I mean, I assume in like in, in your line of work, there's a crossover here, but what we do connects to the average person, like, you know, to normal people. Like yeah. I look out into our fan base and I see like kids and I see adults and I assume most of them sort of have a spectrum of jobs, teachers, lawyers, doctors, whatever it is, gas station attendants. And there is this kind of like, we are the same. You, I wrote a song. You, you understand it. I, 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 I spoke the truth about something that relates to you. And so there's always, especially with our band, there is this like this sort of um, life cycle of like us representing them. And when we change and when we make more money or we become more visible or we cut our hair or we start our politics change or our identity politics are refined or whatever it is, you know, they they are losing that thing that makes them think uh, that they're being represented, you know? And I I do have compassion for that because that's happened to me with people that I've looked up to before. Sure. Especially when people, like the like you say, like the people who found you first, you know, like, and they're like, you're mine, you know, like, yeah. there's a possessed Don't ever possession. change. Yeah, I think it's also, there's a there's a, there's a a crazy mirror effect happening with, with, with public figures where, you know, especially for Tegan and I with, with younger people and queer people and they see us and they think, okay, fine, Finally, I see someone who looks like me, who talks like me, who feels like me. And then when we change and they don't change, you know, that must feel like such a disappointment. That's the dynamics of a relationship. It's the same as dating a person. And you come in, you come in at one level together and then your frequencies go out of sync. And then, you know, the other person, whatever, their political beliefs change or they change or they, you know, find religion or lose religion or cut their hair. And then it's just like. I'm not ready for that yet. Totally. Yeah, but it can happen the other way too, especially with bands where it's, um, you know, you start growing and the band stays the same sure. and you kind of get disappointed with the band. You're like, what? Grow up, yeah, guys. Grow up. Like, come on, just like do something else. It well, is very Darwinian. This Smash industry, Mouth. Yeah. But you find that balance. There's lots Sam. of, there are definitely lots of bands who don't change. And Sarah and I, like Sarah said earlier, like we knew sort of survival of the fittest here. Like we're making record number seven. When we went in to make Heartthrob, we knew that if we just made a typical Tegan and Sarah record, just went in and did it how we'd done it before, that, that there was a very good possibility we would just not gain any new fans. And by just like being alive you lose fans anyway people literally people die well people die but people have kids people stop listening to music people don't care anymore people forget you existed and they do that thing it's like they're still around yeah yeah. they didn't disappear when you forgot exactly so you have to constantly keep uh, reinventing yourself but I think what Sarah and I did at the beginning of this record you know did actually end up at least I think ushering in those old school fans, those diehard fans, those fans who've been around for a decade plus into this world. I think we did a good job of doing that. And the first strategy we took with them was, look, we want to reach more people. We took responsibility. We acknowledged that we wanted to reach more people. We didn't lie. We didn't pretend. We didn't go, I'm not in control of this. Like <laughs> We acknowledged it. We said, look, we want to reach more people. And we want to reach more people because we want to change. 
how things work. We want to change music. We had big goals. We want to change mainstream radio. We want to be on pop radio. Nothing like us is on radio. Who else? Like, I can't. I'm hard up to think of, like, a queer woman on pop radio right now. And I just, Sarah and I are, like, like, like spot number 30 or something 31 on the pop charts like there's nothing like us nothing no one that looks like us no one that sings like us no one that has the life that we've led no one that has the stories that we have and i don't feel any reason or any reservation about trying to change the world and make sure that there's something like me represented whether it's me or not is irrelevant i just want to get something like me on the radio i want to turn the tv on and see me represented right and as soon as we took that angle we would get up every night and say that on stage you could just see those kids that had been holding on to us and didn't want us to become bigger, they started to melt. Like, they started to realize that this was for them. Like, we're not just doing it for us. We're doing it for everyone. Like, I just want our music to reach I think Tegan people. might be drinking the Kool-Aid. I just want to get everything done before the asteroid hits. Right. <laughs> <laughs> if there is any aftermath, like, I just want to make sure that we really made a mark. Yeah. Tegan you know? wants to get m- reach more people yeah. by riding on the top of a giraffe. Right. Which Tegan? you would be able to reach a lot more people. Tegan is going to be know, on the giraffe opening a commune and everybody's just going to be like, yeah. Yeah, and I'm just gonna be like, well, you have to get to a point where you have a gold record because that will that will like uh you know I'll sell it melted down yeah, and yeah, use it exactly. for trade. There good you go. idea. If <laughs> I do survive, at but least I have how, a plan. Think how useful a gold record's gonna be in Armageddon. Think how useful my giraffe is gonna be. Yep. Yeah, that's true. Tegan Giraffe Safari. Also, too, like Serious. after end of times, there is going to be sort of like a new world order, and we already like you know we could run we could run for like politics or something like that. Like sure. you know like the pre- sure. the sort of like post rapture type thing, like you yep. know the coming of post Armageddon. We would have a lot experts. of followers. I really yeah. feel like the apocalypse <laughs> would be the perfect time to bring poutine to this part of North America oh because we haven't it hasn't really leaked down. But you know what? Yet. It doesn't make any. You know it does not make sense. Even okay, poutine might be a big, you know, big. Mouthful to swallow for people like, but literally it's cheesy and it has fries. And great, in it. But it feels like everything an American would like. That's the yeah. thing is, is I don't so understand weird. why wouldn't Americans like fries, cheese, and gravy all at the same time, or just even fries and gravy. Sometimes when I go yeah. and I ask for gravy, I'm like, just give me the beef gravy, the gravy you, you put is? on the beef to dip my fries in, and they're like, why? I, I think yeah. Americans are afraid of cheese curd. Ah, uh, because they think it's rotten. I think they feel like the word curd sounds like cheese curd. Yeah. What the fuck is that? Right. Yeah. Meanwhile, it's like people are stuffing funnel cakes into their face and they yeah. don't fucking... Funnel cake. Yeah. Oh my God, Twinkies are back. <laughs> They're back. <laughs> I just saw... What? <laughs> just... Sweetest comeback in history. Seriously. <laughs> what? I saw... Did someone save them? I saw... Yeah, yeah. there was... I yeah. just saw a billboard in, in Times Square of all places yeah. of the Twinkie and I was like, I want one. They're back. Yeah, there's I don't one, feel like uh, they were there's... gone long enough. You know, it was a it was a good year. No, I would have given it another couple of years yeah. for like a yeah. really big comeback. That's what that's what bands do. That's what bands will like break oh up. God, with, it I seems know. like with the idea of just waiting for about eight to ten years and yeah. then and then making a ton of money. Ton of money. I just I had just thought that about Nine Inch Nails. I could have sworn that they said that they were done for good, and then I just was reading I think yesterday or something the review on Pitchfork, and I was like, they're back. Yeah, new He's album. Back? New album. They've been doing shows. I watched uh, the live stream over at uh, uh, Lollapalooza. I'm excited. Did, did they say though that they were? He, Trent Reznor was like, "I'm he done." He was never like. I mean, oh, he, no, they would it. play shows, and then he picked up a couple of the guys from like Icarus Line or something like that to play right. with them, and then they would just not play for a few years, right. and he would just I don't know lift weights and play video games. It looks yeah. like he's just doing his thing. <laughs> yeah, that's I what know. he's Babe huge. Bill. He's like, yeah, he's so big. He is. He's aging well. He's yes. strong. He's he very strong. He's becoming Danzig. <laughs> <laughs> I sometimes he's becoming yeah, like Henry like, Rollins. He's like, he's like, yeah, Rollins. Yeah. yeah. I want him on my team when Armageddon happens. You want Trent on your team? Sure, absolutely. Nothing? He's strong. He's yeah. sensible. Mm-hmm. We could write music together. 
Yeah. That you're, which the world would need at that point. Absolutely. We and have I to start like, all over again. But what is he going to use if there's no power? Wilts just will make music and people come see us live. Actual like, nine-inch three... nails. Yeah. Yes, that's yeah. right. We'll create, we'll like have an amphitheater and people will just come and see us perform. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Did you ever feel, uh, was, was it ever... Was it ever uh, irritating or reinforcing the idea? Were you saying gave, people gave you all these labels when you first came out? Like, oh, mm. well, they're young or they're queer. Or this Was the, the idea of your sexuality ever kind of annoyingly in the way? It's like, why are you so focused on this? Why We're just making of music. Course. Yeah, especially at the beginning of our career because we were so young. We were just figuring out who we were. So it was like all this focus on figuring out who we were like in the media just felt so unnecessary. It felt like the music should really just represent how we feel about everything. Also too, like there, I think that the the important thing to remember is that it wasn't like people were like, this is fascinating. Let's talk about your identity and how does that work? (laughs) Like it was very, so, uh, so you're, you're, uh, which word do I use? Uh, I don't want to appropriate. So it's, so is it lesbian or is it, or is it homosexual? And it was like, (laughs) you know, an interview with like teen people. It's like, let's just not talk about it. Uh, Well, we have an album coming out. Can we uh, talk about that? Then you guys say queer and they go, whoa, whoa, whoa. Yeah. They're like, we don't use those words on this. uh." No, I think the other thing that's coming out is our, album yeah. <laughs> if you would like to talk oh my about god that. why didn't we ever think to do that what an amazing segue no i think uh i think it was really awkward and i don't think that we entirely knew how to sort of like position ourselves as 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 role models or spokespeople we were 19 or 20 so years old we were so young we didn't even we didn't have anybody that we were sort of like following in the in the, you know like there was nobody like there were people that were out but you know we were we were like punk rock teenagers so people like Melissa Etheridge or Ellen DeGeneres like although it was cool to see public figures coming out they could have they might as well have been astronauts like we didn't know they didn't in any way sort of like walk the path that we were about to walk and you know and we're we feel very much of this generation that is sort of saying like um, it's important it's important for us to be out and to be visible. But on the other hand, like my music doesn't have a sexuality. Music doesn't, isn't heterosexual or homosexual. It's not, it didn't, I always was trying to delineate like, yes, it's important to talk about our identity because our identity very much makes up the experience that informs our music, but our music can't have a sexuality. So, and, and therefore it shouldn't, Deem like this is when she was smoking pot and playing video games. So I was like, <laughs> Seriously, the I was like was saying things very like that. Clean. Yeah, I was holding like yeah. little like you know like this controller is not gay. My, <laughs> but the way I play this game is very gay. But no, so, the original PlayStation controllers are pretty gay. <laughs> pretty gay, yeah. No, but like actually, like PlayStation is kind of gay. But I just think that like um, I just I just think that now it's way easier to go like yes, our identity is really important and we like to talk about it because it's like an important time in history and sure. we can do something with our voice and and the position that we're in, but. Then on the other hand, it's like I liked Bruce Ray as a gay eight-year-old. I totally like got a on. Gay-year-old. I, I was a gay-year-old, <laughs> and I loved Bruce Springsteen, and he was singing about you know Teresa and Sandy and whatever. And it's like I didn't. I think that it's important for us that our music can reach everybody, not just gay people. And so we didn't know how to say that in the in the early days. Well, it was hard to talk about. Yeah, unfortunately, the, the media is just a very one-dimensional way to present, yeah. and so everything's going to be like. Oh, you know, you're automatically defined by whatever one thing. Oh, you're of the guy course. who hosted that show. Yes. Oh, it's the queer twins. Yeah. Like, it's like, well, yeah, but because it, it's more effort to delve deeper. Of and, course. And people consume media very one-dimensionally. Yeah. yeah. And it's presented that way because that's just how they're... Human beings also like to know. It's almost like a, it's like a defense mechanism. I think when you can eliminate... I uh, like options 
that's like always key. Like, yeah. oh yeah, oh that's a new band. Oh, they're girls and they're gay. Oh, okay, cool. That I can eliminate from like what I what I'm gonna like in my life. <laughs> yeah. And I really believe that. Like, there's almost like some sort of like trigger response in people when they think that culturally or whatever it is, like something that they that doesn't make it for them. It ma- means that they can move on to the next thing and finding something that will speak to them or will satisfy whatever it is that they want to satisfy. And I think that I do believe that things have changed. It's been like now for us like 14 years of talking about this, being in the industry, and things have changed. We, we're on pop radio, you know, and we get like a question or two maybe about our sexuality or like it, it blew my mind the other day. We were on a huge pop station and the, and the, and the DJ just goes, you know, like, so you guys, you know, you're writing about, you know, girls and I think we have Jesus a lot Christ. in common or, you know, whatever. Oh my God, are you and I was just like, oh, my God, like, this is the weirdest question. But then on the other hand, he was kind of like throwing down with us. Like, he was kind right. of being like, girls are the worst, right? And we're just like, yeah, they are. <laughs> but it they? sounds like, like he was like, so you write a lot of gay songs. No, but we this is the, But this is the thing. Songs. He was trying to, at least he was trying to connect with us Broke on down. our thing. Like, you know, yeah. it's like girls the worst like girls break your heart you know like you know okay and i was like dj you know it was like the weirdest (laughs) it was the weirdest phrasing but then on the other hand i was like he is trying to relate to us and that's a huge thing like you know like we are just like we're just like everybody else. That's a good attitude. I would have been irritated by that. Oh my that's, God. A, that's a very good attitude Listen, that you I have mean, about it. I take it out in other ways, you know. Yeah. <laughs> but music, like music journalists, like they tend to group like out of laziness. I, I remember uh, when I was you know, working at a record store, I would just read you know Magnet and Vice and all the just the music mm-hmm. magazines just to kill time. And I was always so shocked with like the way they would group stuff together. And I remember mm-hmm. like uh, one time a guy did an article. I can't remember what magazine it was, but he did an article grouping. You guys, uh, Lady Tron and, and uh, Tattoo together, right. and I was like, that, yeah. that's like yeah. none of the Big none of this, on yeah. each other. Yeah. like none of those no. like would play the, even the same show. No, I think that's like I think that again though, like there there has to be a reference point for people, and and I and the the compassion or patience or I don't know what it is that I've had to just because I used to get enraged. I used to feel like it was unfair. I, I, I used to feel like, why, why can't we ever be compared to male artists? Like, how come nobody ever says that we, like, so many of our influences are female, but so many of our influences were male. And like, how come that's not coming through? Yeah. And, you know, I, I think that what, like at the end of the day, it's just, it's hard not to make associations, especially when it comes to gender and sex and, and sexuality. And it, and, and, and I've just gotten over that. I just, I'm just glad that you know some of it feels more relevant. Like back in the day, I feel like we could have been doing polka, and we would still gotten compared to Ani DeFranco. <laughs> not that there's anything wrong with Ani DeFranco. There's nothing wrong. I love Ani DeFranco. Little Plastic Castle is one of my favorite records but in the still, world. But still, but there being was like, just oh, these yeah. moments where I would just be like, we could. I, I feel like Tegan and I could make a record with Mastodon right now, like a full-on screaming like Mastodon rock record, and people would be like, folk artist Tegan and Sarah. <laughs> I swear. God, because folk was like another way to say women, women, girls, mm. gay, acoustic guitars. You know the drill. Like yeah. it just felt so. And it the felt title reductive. "Queer as Folk" probably didn't help. Queer with as folk, that yeah, seriously, <laughs> but to, you know, like it was reductive, and it was used to put us in a in our place. It was it was used to marginalize us, and at the time that felt enraging. So, like you know, actually, when you say like we got compared to Tattoo and Lady Tron, I'm like actually that's pretty cool. Like you know, because <laughs> yeah. there's a part of me that's like, well, that's a little wide. It's a little it's, random. It's, it's a huge it's, section. It's, it now. is yeah. like basically the I guess the you know it was important that we all had vaginas but so yes. but i just now i don't feel as enraged about it because i feel like also too we're 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 leading the spin now like whereas before we were just in the well, social media like the fact is is that with myspace in 2004 sort of becoming really important to us and then now facebook and you know instagram and 
we Twitter, could squash we, anything well, we did. Well, we just like. started. We mm-hmm. started to say who we were. We started to say what bands we liked. We just started to say right directly to our fans. Here, this is it, and they started to run with it. So now they speak for us. Like the media. Like sometimes. We'll have these like very funny circular conversations within our own organization about making time for certain publications. And I'm like, nobody in our demographic reads that, you know, magazine, which is great. We'll reach new people. But let's not worry so much about giving them X, Y, and Z because like our fans are online. They're finding out about us their own ways. They're finding out about us on Tumblr pages and, and other people's blogs and from other musicians. And they're actually just listening to the music. And I think... That has changed a lot. In 1999 and 2002, we were really reliant on the media to say who we were to everybody else and speak for us. There was this really intensely annoying, you know, sort of minimizing middleman who was constantly translating us for us. And now we just translate ourselves for what us. What a great time, though, if you're, if you're mm-hmm. an artist with a healthy um, attitude and understanding of social media that you can't... I mean, I always think about the Joe Walsh song or it's just like the crazy 70s rock star who's basically owned by the label <laughs> yeah. has no like lives in this ivory tower and never talks to anybody and now it, just seeing how much the the equation has flipped and it's like no you gotta get in there with the trenches and you have to connect with Give your and ultimately it doesn't fucking matter what anyone says about you it doesn't matter if tomorrow Pitchfork said Tegan and Sarah are this like the work ultimately speaks for itself exactly. and as long as you keep putting out work and keep connecting with your fans none of that shit well, really can, matters and you can start to really like i mean really like sort of get yourself in there and and change how people define you like i you know like i thinking of like mia recently freaking out about a record label pushing her record back over and over and over again and finally just was like went on twitter and was like cool i'm gonna leak the record yeah if i don't get a, a release date by the end of today i'm i'm gonna leak my record then there was a release date, and I, it's it's it seems childish to some people, but as an artist, sometimes who's constantly you know trying to get people to listen to you, trying to get people to do what you want, there is this power in social media right now where you can sort of talk directly to your fan base and say, "Do you want this? Oh, you do. Okay, great." And then turn to whoever it is that's not doing what you need to do and have yeah. them take notice. And I think for us, we started to define kind of the way you describe that is kind of like if suddenly you gave your like elementary school kid a gun and they were just like, "I want cookies. I want them now." Well, I have power. Or maybe it's not just like MIA. A little maybe, bit out of control. Uh, maybe not a gun, but maybe like voting power. The, the preschoolers all have the t- decision. They can tr- choose between all their teachers. It's like, you know, American Idol or something. I just yeah. feel like we started to say what kind of band we were, what kind of music we wrote, who our influences were directly to our audience. And all of a sudden it started cropping up in the press. Someone started listening for the first time. Well, I think yeah. it's cool that um, it's sort of has it's almost kind of made um, reviews, reviewers, critics somewhat obsolete in the sense that you know in the old days like a review was very valuable because you had to leave your house and go to a store and mm-hmm. purchase a thing sure. and then take it home and, and then listen to it at home yeah. and it was a lot of effort to get a thing but now it's like oh it's like oh, I'll just listen to the preview on my iPhone like it doesn't really you don't necessarily need that anymore yeah. you I mean you, you can sort of take it you can take reviews with a grain of salt and yeah. I never read a review and go oh this person said this so that is I am way going <laughs> yeah. with that I was go no oh, that's that guy's opinion yeah, I, I kind of just don't read I them I started hating yeah. it just as, all those magazines I was I was reading I'd be like what are these who is this guy yeah. I don't know this guy I yeah. would never hang out with this Guy. But also, yeah. if you're a reviewer and your job is to criticize something and poke holes in it or look for the flaws, then you don't you don't share the view of the the normal everyday person who just wants to kind of it's enjoy the opposite. it. Yeah. You're looking yeah. too much. You're like you don't have the same point of view because you listen to so much stuff. Yeah, yeah. there is there one, the one thing I will say in defense of 
of of that form of of writing because I actually really enjoy some some music writing and and critique. I think it just for me it has to be it has to I don't want to I don't want a number. I don't want to like this is a 5 out of 10. It's a total failure. Like let me let me like reduce it to you and because I do ha- I do feel like and everything and anything that's made, there's probably some heart and soul that's going into it. And I think that finding a way to make things seem interesting and framing them in a way that is, you know, is is going to incentivize you to go out and buy it or look at it or take a second look, whatever it is, that to me is a real art form. Like it's it's the reason why I can read, you know, about tennis or boxing and 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 even though I don't even like those sports, I can you know I can be captivated for a hundred pages or something. You know, like I think, you know, the idea that a writer can make you invest in something or, be, or feel interested in something is such a cool art form and there are people I think who do that and there are publications who do that and then there's this whole other sort of like bottom part where it's just like three out of ten you know yeah. go, you know like fail and I agree I just, with I you that. I agree with you and, and and if there are music reviewers listening I do and obviously I don't have a fucking stake in what you do so I'm, I'm right. being totally honest I mean not you but music reviewers that um I think uh, I, I I guess it's that a large number of people ruin it for the really good ones. Like yeah. I like to read if I read something and the point of view is not just to fucking dive bomb something, but there's such a there's such a push now to try to write the most negative shit sure, where it's yeah. just like, oh, you're just trying to show people that you can cleverly use metaphors to shit on something yeah. as opposed to a more fair and balanced like, hey, you know, I enjoyed this about it. You might enjoy this, but you also might not like this. Like that, I, I know that there are good reviewers and I know that there are people that are that do provide value, but I think so many people have ruined it for the for the mass because it's so much now about like, hey, look how much I can fucking shit on this band and yeah. that's why people... But that's like news too. Like, I mean, I think that this is like... Like, this is not just, like, exclusively to music. I mean, you look at, like, television and, 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 you know, CNN and Fox and all these things. I mean, everything has sort of, like, devolved into, like, just a shit match all the yeah. time. And, of course, music was well, going to end up the same way. And it's writing, and it's, like, whether it's reviews or it's news stories, it's the internet. It's posting something and then leaving the public to then continue the debate yeah. in these comments like sec- comment sections where everybody just absolutely tears each other apart and calls each other terrible names well, it's, it's awful it's the worse than Hitler syndrome it's, which is now like that's it always kind of gets to that point it's sort of like a joke on Reddit of like oh did we get to worse than Hitler where right. someone you know will say like oh this record was worse than Hitler and you're like was it really worse than yeah. Hitler? Yeah. I get that you didn't like it, but can we please? But maybe this is like a sign, like for me, I always say this because some every once in a while, like very randomly though, but like someone will say, oh, I was on some message board of your fans or whatever and they were talking about, they hated that you got up and sang with Taylor Swift. We've been talking about this recently that, you know, people, like some of our diehard fans complained. We're like, oh great, now they really have sold out. Oh, now, now everyone in the mainstream is going to like them. And I, I said that, I really feel like this is a sign of how old I am, is that I don't care. And I don't go on message boards and I've never signed into Yahoo News and then like wrote a comment after a news story. Well, we've never like, done that. I've never done yeah, that. Have you like, ever done that? I've never been to the... <laughs> like I just don't... I didn't used to go on the AV club. No, like I just didn't. I never did it, but I also just feel like at this age now, like I don't even care. Like I just, I do the things I want to do. I like the things I like and the things I don't like, I keep to myself. And maybe this is very Canadian of me, but I feel like the world would be a better place if we all shut up 
about the things <laughs> we didn't like and maybe just let it go. Because some people like them. I mean, there's a reason why some bands sell millions of records. And if you don't like that band, you absolutely have the right to say it. You have the right to go on their message board and say whatever. Go ahead. But there is part of me that's like the world would probably just be a better place if you just noted to yourself, I don't like this, and then change the channel. Yeah. And, and that speaks volumes because like there are those – that is how people tell what gets played on radio. There are those little transmitters and the radio station can tell when people change the station and then they don't play your song if you, everyone changes the station when it came out. I mean, there's already weird, crazy ways of deciding what's going to be popular or not. And I just feel like this culture around beating up on people because of who they are, because they put their art form out there or their opinion out there, it just it's all kind of really gross and kind of Well, negative. especially when it's coming from people who don't do anything. Well, yeah. yeah. And that's probably a lot of the people, like, I. that's how I've always just, like, we always say, like, if I accidentally come across something negative, and we've been very lucky, actually. I don't feel we, we don't receive a ton of hate mail or, like, awful stuff. Like, we don't receive a lot of homophobic comments, nothing like that. But every once in a while, we will get something really rude. And I do go click on it and then look and see what kind of person yeah. they are. And they always are the type of person that write rude things to everybody and I just that makes me feel better yeah, I'm because like, that's not just a very nice well, person yeah, what, what I run into every once in a while is someone will say uh, <laughs> someone will say like uh, oh uh, your show sucks right and I'll go hey okay that's fine but that's kind of rude to say it that way and they'll go oh well you can't take criticism and I go it's well that's a not a criticism yeah. that's no. just a, <laughs> you're just saying something shitty a criticism is I'm fine with criticism yeah. I'm far from perfect and if someone says hey you know maybe you should try this sure. and you know yeah. I like this thing but I didn't really like that that is constructive criticism sure. telling someone they're shitty is not criticism no. that's just uh, that's just them insulting you yeah. but I think herein lies the power of your role modelism is you uh, sharing with people that you can do all these different things and be comfortable with who you are and not have to worry about anyone else what no, anyone else I thinks I think bands I think people I I hope that a lot of times what people get from our band beyond just hopefully just really enjoying our music and using it whether it's to get through a terrible breakup or an amazing love affair whatever reason you like our music not I, an average love affair we no, don't we no. don't approve of people no. listening to our music when they're just having an average No love I want affair. to be a fantastic out of this world lover but like so we're talking they're... Romeo and Juliet if you're yeah, not going to kill yourself right. please don't listen to the yeah. Yes so whatever reason that you love our music or whatever it's doing for you, but like in addition to that, I hope that a lot of the people that listen to our music take away from, from our band and from like us the idea that like you should be bold. You should do what you want. You should be inspired. You, you know, like YOLO. For real. And like, and do what you want to do. And if Sarah and I put ourselves in a box or we didn't say the things we feel or be out and be proud and make the music we wanted and make like the decisions we have and lived our lives, I wouldn't be satisfied. And I truly feel like I could get hit by a bus tomorrow. And I really feel like I did everything I wanted to do and I continue to do everything I want to do. And sometimes when I read those comments, that's how I get through it is I'm just like, you're worried. This person has fear. This person is fearful of taking a step and being brave and doing something they feel excited about and taking a new challenge and taking a new path. And I feel like Sarah and I... Or they're just a piece of shit. Or they're just a piece of shit. Or they're... You know, it's possible they're a piece of shit. But we're not, you know? (laughs) You know what I've also... What I also discovered too is a lot of times... And then you kind of feel really bad. Like, I I don't really engage people much anymore, but I still do it from time to time because it's kind of fun fun, now. Yeah. But but then what I what I end up thinking is my first reaction is what a piece of shit and I go you know what this person had probably is not the life that is really that thrilling to them yeah. and every day they have this little this little vessel inside them that fills with a little more frustration and a little more disappointment and sure. a little more which quickly ferments into like anger and rage and then so 
you become the thing, like, you're kind of doing them a favor a little bit by letting them vent on you, which is really a lot of it has nothing sure. to do and with And you're you. also acknowledging them, which is, you know, I think a lot of what's happening online is about acknowledgement and people wanting to f- just be recognized. Be, feel significant. Yeah. Even with their dirtbag well, ideas. And don't you think that, like, some people quite literally believe they could do it better than you? They also are efficiency experts. And you know what? In that case... Fucking do it. Do it! Yeah. I'm so tell, excited. I, do I it. I love to tell people, like, hey, if you, you know, when people go... I don't like the way you do this when you interview people. I go, you know what? This is the perfect opportunity for you to go start your own show yeah. and yeah. do exactly the kind of show that you want. Totally. I'm not the show this for you, exciting. and that is way okay. Go yeah. fucking – don't be a complainer. Go fucking make your thing the way you want it. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and sometimes, you know, most of the – sometimes people go, okay, but then other times I, I, I don't think they're going to go do it. No. Well, it, some people just do – the internet has been an exciting thing for them because they get to just – you know, speak their opinion and argue and debate with other people. And again, like, I, I really do think that that's fine. Like, I don't go to those places, so it doesn't bother me. But I tell this tale of, like, early in this record cycle, reading some news story. I think it was on Yahoo about some older ladies, like, you know, in their, like, 70s and 80s, like, basically collecting clothes from their community and, like, you know, like, donating being charitable and being and... charitable. It was, like, a very nice human interest story. And the first couple comments that I accidentally just saw when I was scrolling down were, like, fuck those cunts or like stupid old ladies like and I just thought to I sat there and I started to laugh so yeah. hard and I was like humanity is doomed <laughs> we are terrible the internet is an awful awful place those are joke and, trolls though well, I think those are joke trolls that's the thing is obviously like it's just still like, the idea that there's the a whole idea, like, culture of joke trolls yeah. like I'm just like what but the there's hell there's these poor old ladies that they went to Yahoo News and are so proud of themselves <laughs> oh. I'm imagining all these little grandmas reading and showing <laughs> their someone grandkids someone called them cunts and someone called them cunts <laughs> and I just was like I hate funny. the world and it's stupid but here's here's what I took away the last thing after my like horror, anger, Those frustration. sweater cunts. Sadness. Yeah, like just after all of that, after reading through the comments, you know what I thought to myself? I thought, oh well, who cares? Like just keep doing what you do. Exactly. That's yourself. all you can who do. Cares? That's all you can do. You could just kind of put your head down and still just keep making the kind of stuff that you want to make. <laughs> By the way, I cannot get Average Love Affair out of my head. I feel like there's a song in there somewhere, but it's a very mundane like, I could see it at night or if not, that's okay. Yeah. You know. Yeah. I'm still, I still have my online dating profile. <laughs> what do you want for dinner? I'm cool either way. Like It's, it's very, very non-committal. I'm taking a sleeping pill again before we have sex. <laughs> I woke up in my car again in the L.A. River. Dark. That's different. That, see, that sounds, that sounds yeah. like Please come get me. That's the that's, turn. That's the that cool it, part. That's yeah. the turn. That, but it's a very average love affair. Very yeah. average. You know, I'll tell you, I, I was listening to a song uh, that came up on Shuffle on the way over here, which I um, have discovered is one of my favorite songs. And for some reason, and again, I'm sure people do see you all the time. I feel like it's a song that you guys would cover the shit out of. Okay, what is it? Are you ready for it? Yeah. It's Dolly Parton. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's the song, uh, Here You Come Again. It's a great song. Do you know it? Yeah, of course. I don't know why. I feel like you guys would... I, I think some good two-part harmonies on that song. We okay. love Dolly. We do her at uh, karaoke all the time. I love yeah. Dolly Parton. Jolene. 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 Have you guys Jolene. heard... Uh, Miley did a pretty good... Song? Love it. Miley What's did that? a good What's cover that? of that. Have you heard a lot of Jolene. people cover oh, yeah? your songs? Yeah. yeah. I, I've definitely... I mean, on the internet, certainly we've yeah. seen people cover our stuff. Actually, it was interesting when we were talking about cover songs at the top because Rolling Stone did like... 10 cool covers from the last 10 years and the White Stripes covered Walking with a Ghost. That's right. And that was on that list and I was really excited to see it there because that was, I mean, 
it feels very narcissistic to be like, I mean, I think they really nailed it with that one and that inclusion. <laughs> but uh, no, but I, I really actually do think that it's a really interesting cool. cover and it's because it's so different. It's almost unrecognizable, but in the best way where they really just took the sort of like source material and then like really turned it into like this epic, almost non-form kind of song. Whereas yeah. Walking With a Ghost is all about form. It's really just two parts repeated twice. So it, it's like, it's sort of like the most anal retentive song ever. And like Jack White <laughs> just took it and like just blew it wide open. That was also so that cool. era of cool. time when he covered that song that was when men start like you know Matt Sharp from the Rentals and Weezer covered us and it was like the first time we'd ever heard men cover our songs well singing yeah. our songs singing really our songs the Broken yeah. West did a great cover of one of your songs I remember yeah, that yeah, yeah. I remember that Ryan yep. Adams used to cover a song off of our second record and I remember having the same thing like the same very impactful moment of thinking like wow you've really just rearranged this and made this totally your own and hearing it even just like in a different key like like that as an artist was really helpful in figuring that's out that's what a cover should be do you ever hear so cool. do you ever hear a band cover uh I love Echo and the Bunnymen, but their cover of People Are Strange was essentially a karaoke like a version yeah. Yeah, of the Doors yeah, yeah, yeah. song. Yeah, it's good, yeah. though. It makes me like the Doors. On the Lost Boys soundtrack. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I don't so like good. the Doors. I don't like the Doors at all. I, 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 I really don't. <laughs> oh, my God. I, you guys, both you got very intense about this. I, this you know, here's deal. the thing. <laughs> I, I think you know what it is. I think it's, I think it's, I'm, I'm associating it to the type of person that I think Jim Morrison was, right. which was kind of like the annoying frat guy who put on a turtleneck and started fucking all the girls in theater class. Right. And, you're, and, you, and you're the guy who stands up and you're like, how are you buying any of this shit? Like when he does like the poetry. Uh... He's a drunk with a notebook on Venice Beach. Like would you go up and get advice from that guy? Right. Well, like, we're in Venice Beach and this guy, hey man, you want to hear some of my poems? No, fuck like, you. I, I love the song Peace Frog until it gets to... Indians flying in the desert, oh wolves, God. and I'm like, God uh, damn it! It's you... a different time. It was no, a different yeah. time. You're right. I'm angry at the time. 60s. You know what? Though? This is this is interesting that you say this because the other day someone was giving me a hard time because I really like that new Miley Cyrus song that she just released, the Wrecking Ball song. Mm-hmm. It's like her second single. I'm like obsessed with it, and somebody was giving me a hard time and like, how can you? Like the music is so fake. It's so vapid. Whatever. And I was like, I completely disagree. I think she is really having a challenging time. I mean. But like, it's like, I mean, shit's gotten wild. Shit has gotten seriously wild with her. And like, I feel like a parent, like I sort of want to like discipline her and like be like, stop, God, you're so offensive. But on the other hand, that in a weird way does validate that wrecking ball song because when she talks about just being a disaster and being a wrecking ball and like just like destroying this relationship, I actually believe her. I actually feel like whatever she's singing about, however manufactured people want to make her out to be, I think she's working in this field that it's like there it's completely authentic i completely believe it or like i think about you know artists like britney spears or whatever when people would say like that's so plastic it's so fake and you know whatever i believe these people are leading really traumatizing lives i actually think my life is probably way more average love song than miley cyrus right now like you know my my sort of like suburban you know quiet you know breakup <laughs> by comparison <laughs> you know where i'm like dramatic and like having a big whine about it is actually probably way less traumatizing i never like drove my car drunk through the streets of LA and like crashed my car and then like threatened to kill myself and had to go to like promises or whatever like I didn't have to do any of that I just like stayed in Montreal for two years and like ate a ton of goldfish crackers and taught myself to draw like I just like (laughs) the most boring thing ever like you can't just be like seriously guys my life's out of control it's like I'm shitting orange goldfish crackers like there's nothing (laughs) they're coming out whole I'm swallowing them whole they're coming Uh, out whole nothing is more average my toilet looks like a fishbowl it was so boring so like a lot of these artists like I'm just, I don't know how I'm connecting the doors to this, but I am saying that, like, you know, it's unbelievable when people are just a disaster, even if it's like a real, like, you know, like premeditated disaster, like sometimes they're way more like 
screwed up than some of us who think of ourselves as being much more authentically upset, you know? Yeah. Yeah. yeah so that is kind of interesting to see the authenticity in what people think is a facade. You're like, no, but if yeah. you really, if you really pay attention and look at it under a microscope, there is that layer of, no, they're really, this is a, fu- listen, this, this Miley dance Cyrus, track is a fucking cry for help. This is what yeah. I'm saying is that like Miley Cyrus, like I listen to that song and then I look at her Instagram and she's like, you know, she's like, she, all these weird like borderline porno shots and like and she's with all these p- crazy people that look like they're probably like a bad influence on her and all this stuff and I'm like that's authentic like if Miley Cyrus was going home and doing what I'm gonna do tomorrow on my day off like order a movie on at the hotel and like you know like probably order like the BLT or something and like just Sprinkle like some maybe talk to my girlfriend and I might even call my mom like I would be like Miley please <laughs> Okay, you're boring. Like, don't put that song out there. But there's something about, like, how wildly destructive sometimes our pop stars are. Like, I think about, like, Elvis Presley or Frank Sinatra or, like, you know, like, some of the big, like, iconic, you know, like, um, stars back in the day. And, like, none of them were, like, you know, like, working out and, like, eating kale or whatever. Like, they were, like, fucking people and drinking and, like, I don't know. Stay covered in cocaine. Yeah, like, running, like, sex dungeons. And, like, I don't know, like, we're boring. We, we are boring, you know? Like, so when people like heap too much like credibility on, on us or our love stories or whatever it is I'm like I, I don't know maybe maybe people like Miley Cyrus are more authentic wasn't that when, when Franz Ferdinand won all the awards like a handful of years ago and then I read some story about like <laughs> uh, it's the death of the rock star because they're basically just like these really sweet <laughs> so guys nice. yeah. so very nice, nice it's and it's like uh-huh. not yeah. crazy well they yeah. were they were one of those bands that like by the time people found out about them they were already done with their like they were already older guys by yeah. then yeah. by the time they broke in the states they were just like oh yeah we Maybe used to be crazy, but <laughs> yeah. we're some guy. We're just friends playing this rock is, and roll. This is, this is the thing. It's like we sort of like we make fun of all these people, but it's like I like, I couldn't believe the fuss that people made about Justin Bieber pe- peeing in that bucket and getting caught on video. You know, like whatever, like talking shit about Bill Clinton, who I deeply respect. So don't talk about about Bill Clinton. <laughs> but having said that, like that's it. Like that's what's a, that's what's a, like they're upset about. Like I used to sneak out of my house and take acid and like run around in a field and like you know like I didn't. I mean like we were bad. Like we were bad at that age and he. He's peeing in a bucket and drunk well, with his friends. I, like, that's why I understand the yeah. Miley thing in the VMAs. Like, wait, so a young pop starlet did something kind of sexual at an right. awards yeah. show? The and, video, it's like, what was and, the big... And like after the VMAs, I was talking about reading this article. Like, the Miley, a lot of these pop stars, the way they're dressing, the way they're dancing, the sexuality, like, go to any club on a Friday or Saturday yeah. night. Everyone is doing that. Like, I think there was, like, I mean, not to get, like, super, super into all of this, but, like, I'm... I I think that there is a racism in 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 that performance and in some of the things that Miley is saying that I don't believe she understands or knows and in very defiantly probably has never even once remotely thought about anti-racism work and thought about like what she may be like appropriating and whatever like I will give people that like I understand why people were outraged but I do also think that it's such a crazy double standard so often because I live in a constant state of outrage at people. I think I think that people being misogynist or people saying faggot or being derogatory about whoever, I think it's all bad. So it's funny because when I see like such a crazy amount of energy being put into one person or one performance, I just think like, I mean, they're all bad. They all need to get grounded. All of them. <laughs> Everyone at the VMAs is grounded yeah. and rude and needs to go to some kind just, of training. I just don't take any of it seriously. Yeah. That's why I'm like, when people freak out, I'm like, who even gives a shit? Like, that's a fucking. I do, th- but I think I will say this, and it's like not a challenge on you, but I Please will challenge. say. Well, you're like, I assume you're a straight dude and you're a white dude and you're, you know, like you're a comedian and you're yeah. like, you know, these things. It's like, I think that for me, I do understand the outrage when people use other people or use cultural ideas or are racist without even knowing it or whatever. Like, I'm a sensitive person. I don't want to offend anybody. 
I am still thinking about 20 minutes ago when I made a reference to a child having a gun. Like, I mean, I just like, you know, I, <laughs> oh, no. I'm a deeply, deeply thoughtful, self-aware person and I don't want to hurt anybody or offend anybody. And I think because I've also been hurt so many times, I've heard people say terrible things. I've had people on the street yell at my girlfriend and I and call us horrible names and whatever. I've seen straight people culturally appropriate from, you know, queer culture and then use it in a way that makes me feel ashamed of myself. Or I think about, you know, my parents' generation and, you know, what they went through with AIDS and all of of these things and like how far we've come as queer people and as women so when I see people getting outraged because it's like Miley Cyrus is culturally appropriating from you know a, a, a portion of the population and and they're going like hey get get away from us like you know like or do it with respect or whatever it is there I can see that and I think I can just I just can draw a parallel to my own experience see I didn't even know any of that because yeah. I didn't see the performance I yeah. still haven't seen it I just yeah. saw what I saw was don't, 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 don't crazy. Google I saw it, the yeah. gifts I saw the uh, well someone put it into a scene from Breaking Bad oh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. yeah so that's that's how I saw it I didn't hear the song like this whole yeah. idea this whole idea that the, of like the the, the race is a part yeah I didn't even know any of that because yeah. I didn't I didn't, I didn't. I don't watch. think Miley understood it. I think she I just, walked yeah. away going like, "What?" All, all like, I saw was her was like, "Oh, she grinded on." Robin <laughs> and, yeah. But then laughed. I mean, that when, was that was when the upsetting. onion referred to it as that she was grinding on Beetlejuice. <laughs> <laughs> it was there were so many layers. Like for so me, like, I didn't. I didn't so know. I didn't know any of that. You know what? It's a, those are the moments though. It's like I've been deeply offended over the years when you know the industry celebrates Chris Brown. You know, and he's like he's right. not he's not up there doing anything like visually offensive, but his presence and the accolades and the constant support, that offends me. That's your injustice. You know, that is my injustice. So it's like, I have a hard time because there are just people who I think are like just gigantic dirtbags and and do horrible things all the time. But in those cases, it's really important too. Like there's, I think with Miley, I think our defensiveness a little bit is, is that like she's a young person and you need to go to the source. MTV approved that that performance. MTV put there was that probably on probably 200 people involved in putting that thing yeah, on. Like, Nobody like, went like, geez, I think everybody's attacking Miley and then pointing at her dad and being, he must be, like, it, it just becomes this big shame cycle on the artist, but like, a major network, a billion-dollar corporation, like you know, like all all of these people who are involved in approving these performances that are being projected out into the world to teenagers all over the place and adults all over the place, they're the ones that deserve to carry. I think, like yeah. the bulk of the blame. Oh my god, they're probably yeah. high-fiving each other. Yeah, they are. They're they they awesome. fucking homepage awesome. CNN. Exactly. Yeah. shut up talking about it for the, like two weeks. They're loving it. Exactly. Yeah. The year I worked, um, the, I wrote on the VMAs a few years ago, and like it was crazy. Where it's like you, know, you they, you, everyone rehearses their their performances sure. multiple times in mm-hmm, a row mm-hmm. uh you know i got to see uh adele like sing her song Amazing. like like five times in a row and i was the front person in the row because wow. there was no one around it did was, you cry yes i cried I mean, I would cry. every time every time cry. she did it but you know they they knew what was going to happen they were sure. getting ready to go for it but one of the worst parts was like when chris brown like like they're like oh we're gonna have chris brown on the show and i i like i seized up and i like had I was like, maybe I should quit, right? But like, I needed the money, and it was like it was such a fucking <laughs> like we it was like you. so yeah, I know, oh, but shit. it was so shitty because like, and then like they, I was in charge of like writing one of the things he had to say, and I I said I wouldn't, yeah. and then there was like a big to do, and I got brought in. I was like, I don't want to do it if you have to do that. Yeah. But, By the way, yeah. I think I think you're being asked to like he, to I'm, I'm, I'm getting the yeah. I'm getting the it's uh, time the time yeah. thing. But, uh, but I'm so sorry exactly. because this is such a great conversation. It was that this a great part, conversation, and and I I actually would love to continue it offline because I just. This was a perspective that I hadn't considered. I just assumed like, oh, it's like everyone bitched about Madonna in the 80s and who yeah. gives a shit? <laughs> well, some of it is that. Like, just so you know, like, I'm not trying to make you feel like 
bad or anything like that. I think I'm also like no, I like my I'm perspectives. Like deeply, I'm deeply informed about it right ways. now because it's like it really it really feeds into my wheelhouse of what I'm interested sure. in. And and you know, going back to what we were talking about with album reviews, I mean, there's a lot of like what what is being written right now about music and culture and whatever is deeply intriguing to me and I, I, I love all of that sort of like you know that that, but that criticism ba- that's happening but it's there's a balance too like I think that the, the, what you know you saying like you know kind of like who cares like there's a big part of me that sometimes when we get really focused on these things like again like I think we need to go to the source and like you know all a lot of the conversation about Miley we need to go to the source of what's really troublesome about what happened rather than just focusing on Miley and I think that there's a part of me that just felt like okay enough shut up after the VMAs because I felt like culturally we were just focusing on the wrong stuff and sometimes Mm -hmm. that just makes it worse because then people overreact and and then they act out and I think it just perpetuates all these awful stereotypes and and it just makes everyone look terrible and Armageddon should just you know (laughs) that's finally full circle but did you see that Tegan went from not being into Armageddon to now she's ready to just 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 in that moment I really did so, well, so you know, healthy healthy debate and conversation and knowledge on all these topics is good. But I think at some point we get off track. And then, unfortunately, you know, culturally, I think it just gets worse and doesn't get better. But so. respectful discourse is I always awesome. welcome yeah. it. Yeah. I always welcome it um, yeah. but instead of attacking. So it, it's wonderful to have Seriously, you guys here. thank you so I wanna, much. I want to end the podcast. Hey, Katie, pull up. Did you hear? We'll, we'll play this out at the end of the thing. Uh, someone took Dolly Parton's Jolene and slowed it down by 25%. And oh it God. sounds I may like, have heard this. Did you hear it? It's yeah. fucking I haven't heard amazing. this. Amazing. Uh, lo- look up uh, D- Jolene, 25%, and it sounds like a really dark... It sounds like a dude. It sounds yeah. like Johnny Cash. It's a little bit, yeah. That's yeah. Cool. Can you, can you Did you find that, Katie? Okay. Load also up. look up Love the uh, David Byrne version of uh, Crazy in Love if you have. We look up the Crazy, and you guys <laughs> cover Dolly Parton to make it folksy. What? Fuck you! You didn't hear anything yeah. we just said. <laughs> We're gonna uh, do like a metal version of it. <laughs> send it to you. This is J- actually Jolene. Just slowed down. Jolene, 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 Jolene. I'm begging of you, please don't. Take my man. Fucking amazing. It's awesome. Yeah. Enjoy your burrito, everyone. Jolene, 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 Jolene. Please don't take him just because you can. Your beauty is beyond compare with flaming locks of auburn hair with ivory skin. And eyes of emerald green Your smile is like a breath of spring Your voice is soft like summer rain And I cannot compete with you, Jolene Now leaving Nerdist.com Enjoy your burrito. Hey, grown-ups! The Cat in the Hat cast is a new podcast from Wondery, perfect for the whole family. Join the Cat in the Hat and your favorite Dr. Seuss characters as they get whisked away on a new adventure every week. Fish dreams of creating his very own polite and quiet podcast. That is, until he gets a surprise visit to his fishbowl podcast studio from the Cat in the Hat himself. And it becomes very clear that the cat has other plans for the podcast. And those plans are the opposite of quiet. 
Sing along to new favorite songs, try your luck at Titanic tongue twisters, have some fun with wondrous wordplay, and most importantly, bring your family along for all of the adventures in the Cat in the Hat cast. Follow the Cat in the Hat cast on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen to the Cat in the Hat cast early and ad-free on Wondery Plus. Join Wondery Plus in the Wondery app or on Wondery Kids Plus on Apple Podcasts today.